Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. And welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I am your host, Adam Diamond, and uh, the boys are back in town. Yes, we are. But I don't have coffee. <laughs> Is this a bad thing? Yeah. Yes. I, you, neither of you have coffee. Dave, especially you. You drink coffee like 24-7. One's on the way. <laughs> like those pictures of, you know, the coffee IV drip? That would be me. That is you. All right, boys. Um, so welcome back to the studio. It has been a while. And today we are talking about a nice, light-hearted subject, justification. Yeah. You say that like it's not a lighthearted topic. <laughs> well, it's it's a topic I think that a lot of people can sometimes get mixed up on and maybe not realize how important it is that you understand what justification is and what it means for you as a Christian. Well, I mean, the Reformers used to say that this was the doctrine on which the Reformation rises or falls. Mm-hmm. And this is a big, big, big deal. And uh, Dave, I'm pretty sure your last sermon on Galatians actually had a lot to do with justification. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we'll be able to dive into that passage a little bit as we go on Galatians 2. Well, if you're listening, I hope that uh, you haven't, you know, your theology ears haven't gotten a little lazy. We haven't had a theology episode in a while, Uh, so hopefully this perks you up a little bit. So guys, let's start off uh, by simply, you know, defining justification. What is it? What do we mean when we say justification? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm going to think that this is going to be a bit of a problem in some ways because we use the term justified in normal everyday parlance. Like, if I do something, you want me to, I want to be justified in what I'm doing. Like, you know, why did you do that? That's justification. But I mean, in the sense of coming before the, the situation here, it's our justification before God. Are we acceptable before God? And how are we acceptable before God? Mm-hmm. And why do we need to be acceptable for God? Yeah, absolutely. I always, typically when I do study and things like that, my vocabulary is very poor. Um, so I have to Google words that most people probably would know what they mean. Um, and when I did this, just the basic word definition is to be declared or made righteous. Um, but which is, you know, just another way of yep. saying be acceptable before, you know, right. et cetera. Well, I mean, justification generally in a non-Christian sense would be to be seen as acceptable before anyone. Like, mm-hmm. I'm justified in my beliefs. I'm justified to do what I'm doing. And in this case, it's justified before God. Though I think it's a really interesting question that you you ask, why would we need to be justified before God? It's because, to be honest with you, we are before God. This is God's universe we live in. Mm-hmm. That's the starting point. Yeah. Yeah, that was more or less from people. If there's anyone listening, I mean, I don't think there is, but, you know, just in case, if there's anyone listening who, for some reason, isn't a Christian and they want to listen to a theology podcast, you know, why do we need to be justified? Uh, but before we get into that a bit more, uh, let's look at uh, why is justification something we need? Like, it's, it's to be made righteous, it's to be, you know, acceptable before God, but why, why do we need that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, I mean, Steve kind of already, I think, got to the starting place, um, even if it was a little cheekily, but is that a word, cheekily? <laughs> it, it is, Cheeky? but but I think you're supposed to use that, like, in British context, you need to use a I watch British a lot of accent. soccer, so, uh, or football, if you call uh, it over there. I'm cheeky. What if he raises his pinky like he's being fancy? Does that work? 
Uh, no, I don't think I don't think fancy people use the term cheeky that often. It's funny though. On a side note, I do use a lot of like English words for stuff. Like I'll talk about like a pitch instead of a field. And that's good. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> something wrong with you. Anyway, it's called watching. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sports. Sports ball. We sports really well here. <laughs> so, Dave, you're saying about justification. Why? Why do we need it? Why do we need to be righteous before God? Right. Yeah. So, I. I mean, again, I think Steve. Um, alluded to the starting place and that's the fact that you know god is real um and also so we need we need to come to that reality to know that god does exist um but also we need to know and understand god's character right and god's character is that he is perfect he is the definition of good he is righteous he is just um and he will always pursue justice and he can't have um you know really evil in, in his presence right so Essentially, we need to start there because we need to understand the character of God, and then we also then need to understand our character and who we are. Um, and as I'm sure we'll get into Romans three twenty one to twenty six um, when we talk specifically a bit more about justification itself. But just before that, um, I mean, Paul makes the point um, in verse uh, in verse nine. What then are Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. Okay, and then he goes on and lists a whole bunch of texts, but that point that we are all under sin, and for anybody watching, if you don't know, basically he's, he's encapsulating everybody in this, right? Like everybody's under sin. Well, That's, in case you miss it, I mean, so those verses that come right after, like, none is righteous, no, not one. Mm-hmm. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one got, does good, not even one. Yeah. That's pretty emphatic. So if that's us, and God is who God is, and that's who we are, then naturally that creates a problem because God's got to punish evil if he's actually going to be good. Right. And we're not good. <laughs> yeah. So. And that that can be hard to accept for some people, right? Like. You know, again, so many times do we hear it? We've said it so many times here in the office. And I think we've said it on the podcast before, but I'm a good person, <laughs> right? And that, that's what you hear from almost everyone. Most people think they're good. They're a good person. Well, and the standard assumption that everyone runs by is I think everybody is basically good at heart. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's just, I mean, from a, from the perspective of God's righteousness and justice, that's simply not true. Now, I mean, this gets to one of the problems that people t- tend to have with Christians. Sometimes they, they say that we are self-righteous, though technically speaking, from the perspective of a Christian, we would say that we are not righteous in ourselves. There is nothing righteous about us in and of ourselves, uh, and we need an external righteousness to be acceptable in any way before God. So technically, we're not actually self-righteous. We're just Jesus-righteous, I guess. Yeah, I think I think too when it comes down to everybody, you know, the pe- people who would like to think, and even us as ourselves, as we sometimes tend to think, but we don't like to admit that we think, you know, that we're pretty good. Um, the the difficulty with that is is how we define goodness, and we can think that we can be good, but not perfect, right? Right. But the difficulty is when we're in when we're comparing, or when you're thinking about, you know, being good in the sense of coming before God, who is perfect. The standard has to be perfection because most people will not say that they're perfect. I don't think anybody would really honestly say that they're perfect. 
And very few would even say that they're perfectly good. They just say that, you know, generally I'm good or fundamentally I'm good. It's, it's just if, not- if it was like a scale, my good stuff would probably outweigh my bad stuff. Right. Which, but, of course, isn't how it works. Yeah. And I mean, a great, a great analogy for this. I think it might have even been the American Gospel 2. I'm not sure where it was. Somebody said it. Um, great film if you haven't watched it. So go, go ahead and watch that. But somebody uses an, an analogy of um, cars getting scratched or beaten up, right. right? So like if you go and you, like if I were to go into a junkyard and scratch, you know, a, a door of like a junk car, that's just going to be, I don't know what they do to them, destroyed, whatever. I'm not a car guy. Um, but anyways, nobody would really care, right? Because it's garbage. They strip them and crush them. Just... Yeah, there, there we go. Um, so, but, but nobody would care because they're, they're garbage. They're worthless, right. right? But then if I went to a used car lot and scratched it, you know, then the the punishment would get a little bit bigger because that car is worth more. There's there's more of a punishment for that. Then if I go to a new car lot, the punishment and the and the you know the evil or the the wrong action of of beating up the car again, it would increase because the value of the car increases. If you go to you know a Lamborghini, you're probably looking maybe even at jail time or whatever, yep. depending on how bad the damage was. And the point being that as the value of the car increases, the value of the thing that you are doing wrong against increases, the greater the punishment. Right. And if you take that into consideration, well, if God is really God and he is perfect and great and holy and good, well, then that deserves, that's a pretty big deal. That The bad stuff yeah. we do, even if we, if we think about, well, my good stuff really outweighs my bad stuff, the bad stuff is still a big deal. Um, now, I think the central problem people tend to have with the, with the with the idea of us not being righteous, though, isn't really that they th- sit down and think it through. I mean, the fact is, most of us would recognize that there's something wrong with the world. I mean, mm-hmm. the uh, we, you watch the news for about three minutes, you'll recognize the world doesn't function the way it's supposed to. The problem is, for most of us, we want to make make the problem with the world something that's not me. Mm-hmm. And the Christian message here, the message that actually Jesus gives us, is that what's wrong with the world is us. You are the weakest link. Yeah, and unfortunately, if we stand before God in our own righteousness, the next thing is going to be goodbye. Yeah, guys, I just had a conversation actually today um, with a lady across the street who I never talked to before, and of course she wanted to talk about, her. actually her first thing was about the Ukraine. Mm. Um, so she was going into what she believed and this and that, and she said, "I can tell you one thing: all this is man-made." He said, "We're the ones, we're the or she said, uh, "Sorry, we're the ones that did this." And so that gave me an opportunity to bring up, "Hey, you know, I am actually a pastor. I work at a church." And I'm like, "Well, I said uh, one thing I can tell you is that you know this doesn't catch God off guard." And uh, we got into religion a little bit, uh, but uh, she was saying that uh, she had learned about. You know how things come out, and then she believes that you know we're all born innocent, but then we make really bad choices. Um, but then I kind of push back. I'm like, well, actually, you know, I have a two-year-old son who we started, we turned two in April, and no one taught him how to get angry or to hit his sister. And she's, oh, they learned that. I said, well, he's never seen us hit anyone, right? Or to push his sister because he's mad, and he's never seen that. That's not learned behavior. Mm-hmm. That's that's a reaction. That's an impulse within him that no one had to teach him, uh, and she found that pretty interesting. Actually, I think uh, it made her think a little bit about you know what she believed, 
And it was really cool. But this goes right back to the fact that we need to be justified before God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, guys, um, let's, let's go into a little bit more into Scripture here. Like, what does it mean for the everyday person that they're justified? Like, we can say it, you know, it's kind of a cliche thing or kind of like a sticker we just stick on, you know, our foreheads or our backpacks. I'm justified by Christ. But what does that actually mean for the everyday believer, that you are justified before the God of the universe? Just how deep does that go? Well, it basically means that your status before before God is settled. You are justified, period. And, of course, that justification doesn't come by the fact that you do the right things or you've uh, managed to, uh, I don't know, be pretty enough, smart enough, or, and gosh darn it, people like you, but rather because of what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it said in Romans 3.21, you know, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So... One of the things that we often try to do is spend a lot of time being acceptable to the people next to us, to the people around us, and even to God generally and to the universe generally. And what the Christian message is, is that Jesus Christ makes you acceptable before God, and that is settled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, even, even thinking back to, we kind of talked about how a lot of people typically think about their own goodness. Um, and that's kind of, you know, my, my good actions, they outweigh my bad ones. Right. Um, but here's the thing. We don't actually, before God, if we are justified in faith, Mm -hmm. we don't actually have to necessarily, like when, when we're talking about our status, our acceptance before God, it's not based on how good we are. It's not based on what we do. It's based on what Christ did for us. So in a lot of ways, that that frees us from this. I mean, this is another, I guess, somewhat theological word, legalism, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that we need to earn it. This idea that I need to, you know, follow all of... And for the Jewish people that we often read about in in terms of the law and stuff like that, I always forget the number. What was it, like 613 It actually varies depending on who you're talking to. Right. But, But anyways, lots of different rules, laws, things to follow. And they would have lived this out or tried to live this out in order to be righteous. And that, I mean, as somebody who lives, who does that in other ways, who tries to earn their favor with God or earn their favor with others in, in lots of different ways by, um, you know, doing nice things or, um, again, it's not that doing good things are bad, but it's doing them in order to earn the favor that we're talking about here, right? Um, for somebody who is very tempted to please people and do those things and even subtly do it for God, it can get very tiring um, and well, very exhausting. And, of course, you're going to usually end up in one of two forms of despair. You'll mm-hmm. uh, either despair that, uh, that you know, uh, other people can meet it, and you'll imagine that you've met all of the rules perfectly, and then you become a self-righteous uh, psycho. And then if you believe that everything... It, there's no possible way I could meet this these standards. The standards are too high you'll give up and you'll become uh, an anti-legalist psycho. Mm-hmm. It should actually give you 
rest the fact that you're justified, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to earn God's favor. You, like my child doesn't have to make me love her more. Right. I already love her, you know, more than she can imagine. Yeah. And that often makes me think of the fact that how much more does God love me or how God love her if he loves her more than I do. Right. Um, and then that just puts so many things in perspective, right? If we're justified, we don't have to earn that justification. It doesn't mean we don't live according to God's word. Right. Um, but it does mean that when we do um, live according to our own will, according to, you know, our sinful nature and stuff like that, that we don't have to be shameful about it. We can go to God Right. And realize that he's not okay. Now it's not some sort of weird like cosmic tally board where it's like, yeah, you yep. owe me one here, <laughs> or I'm gonna forgive you this time, this time. But you know, here's an IOU or something, right? Like mm-hmm. you still owe me back from the last time I forgave right. you. There is no ledger with God. He doesn't actually have a tab table up in heaven deciding whether or not you have more good acts than bad acts. The question is whether or not you have faith in His Son Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's just a freeing way to live. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. I mean, can you think about, like, your boss has expectations of you, right? Your, your wife, your spouse has expectations on you, on you. Your kids have expectations on you. Your, your school, like... My kids it, have no expectations on me. Because you have no kids. <laughs> <laughs> Details, Home saucy today. <laughs> Uh, but regardless, Steve, whether you're married or you have kids or not, there are expectations placed on you, darn it. Absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Just I have expectations my, for Steve. Just there not by go, my Steve. kids. Not by your kids. Maybe your plants have expectations to be watered. I don't know <laughs> if they're conscious. Uh, but uh, there that's are a, expectations. That's a hard no. <laughs> <laughs> I there, think we've got another topic for another rugged theology. <laughs> Do your plants have consciences? <laughs> Uh, brought to you by the brilliant minds at Model One Mission. Uh, but uh, regardless, oh there are expectations placed on you. Um, I mean, there's probably even expectations for people listening to this podcast for us to get into some sort of things like we just got into. <laughs> probably. Uh, We're probably letting them down. <laughs> <laughs> and that, But that can be stressful. <laughs> it can be very, very stressful to feel like you have to meet everyone's expectations mm-hmm. when you're not made to measure up. You're not made right. to be... Your your wife, your wife or your husband's savior. Mm-hmm. You're not made to be the savior of your best friend. You're not meant to be the best son to your mother. You you can't live up to that. Mm-hmm. And when and like, here's the thing too. So I mean, so often, what I will experience when I'm trying to when I forget to remind myself of this theology, right? This idea that I'm justified. I fall into the habit of wanting to please people. And when that becomes a thing that I'm pursuing more than more than Christ, it's then very easy for me to live out of fear, to live out of anxiousness, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm so caught up in, I'm overthinking everything. Oh, did, did that action just like, you know, make that person mad at me or upset? Or if I, you know, if I do this wrong, am I just going to let everybody down? And then, and then you find yourself just overthinking, anxious, fearful. But if we remind ourselves of this... Mm-hmm. The fact that ultimately God is still going to love me and accept me, even if I, you know, say the wrong thing at church on Sunday. Yeah. Or if I play a bad chord, or if I, you know, don't. And again, that's not to say that we shouldn't pursue good things, but our acceptance and love 
are not based on our ability to earn it. Yeah, and of course it frees us to do something else. I mean, each time you just said that, uh, a lot of things that you focus on if you forget the, go- the doctrine of justification is yourself. Mm-hmm. You're focused on, do I measure up? Mm-hmm. Do I, did I do the right thing here? Am I acceptable before this group or that group? Am I, am I pretty enough? Am I smart enough? Do people like me? And the freeing part is you don't actually have to focus on yourself anymore. Mm-hmm. You can actually pursue Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the number one thing is you've you've we've kind of already t- tiptoed around the number one problem you're going to run into here. But then, what is it? Why would we do good works if we're justified by faith alone, apart from works of the law, which is you know the standard reformed formulary? Mm-hmm. Why would we do anything good? Because your heart is transformed. Darn it! <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that though. <laughs> why is that a bad thing? <laughs> Because your heart becomes transformed, your desires are transformed. They're, they're made anew in you know in Christ. Second yeah. um, Corinthians five twenty one says He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God, that we become justified before God. Right. So Jesus is our righteousness. We are transformed, renewed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, like Romans says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. Right. Um, so this is this is why we do good works, not because we're earning some sort of tally board or some we're trying to build up some sort of store of like all these goods being cash in with God at some point when yeah. we really screw up. Um, it's because our desires have been transformed. We want to live how God wants us to live. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Paul also kind of talks about this. We talked, Adam. You mentioned a sermon I recently preached. Um, and Galatians 2 is another great chapter for for diving into this topic of justification, right? And we're even dealing with the same kind of situation we, we've been talking about, right? Because in verses 11 to 14, well, actually all the way 11 to 21 in Galatians 2, at the beginning we, we see the scene of Peter has basically, you know, lost his his gaze on Christ. He's, he's taken his mind off the gospel and focused on this group of people who are coming and now pressuring him to start living by the law again. Mm-hmm. Right, it says that out of fear he he withdrew, and basically started not eat or he stopped eating with Gentiles and started eating and following the law again. Um, and Paul, in his in his rebuke of Peter for that, um, he he points him back to this doctrine of justification in fifteen and sixteen, and then and then continues on in seventy to twenty one to talk about well, if we are justified, then what does it look like for how we live, right? And what he says down in verse nineteen. Um, I mean, the, the, key, the key theme throughout all this is, is the fact that we are also united with Christ, right? Um, so, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, Absolutely, there's that there's that aspect right where our heart's been changed when we come to Christ. You know, that's you know we've been regenerated. We've mm-hmm. I think we've talked about that before in a podcast. Um, but then you know as we as we live and and that desire is changed, we don't live for ourselves. It's not I who live; it's Christ who lives in me. And then Paul says like, you know, when you read that, you're kind of like, oh, that's that makes my head hurt. But then I think Paul probably anticipated this because he says, the life I now live in the flesh. He's like, okay, so how this works practically and how I live my day-to-day life is that I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. So why, you know, why do we live um, lives and actually do good things and follow God's word? Ultimately, the fuel of, of our faith and living by faith, it's God's love, right? right? You see that right there in that verse. You know, Paul, and, and Paul, he makes that personal, right? He's like, I live now my life in, in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right, that 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 is the fuel. Knowing God's love, being reminded of you know things like justification, the gospel, that fuels our living by faith. And then, I'll stop now and let you guys talk in a minute. If you go to, <laughs> you can tell I probably just re- recently was studying this. Um, if you go to First John, in chapter four, you realize that that the love of God is not only the fuel of our faith; it's also the fuel of our love. Um, so, anyways, I'll stop that there because that could I could go on for a lot more on that. But, anyways, yeah. So, so why, why do we pursue, you know, holiness? Why do we pursue the good things? Yes, because our heart's been changed, but also, and maybe a little bit more of a practical, you know, it's because we, we have been loved. That's the fuel. It's God's love for us. And of course, it's a trust in that specific love. And it's interesting because it's only the kind of faith in the Christ we meet in Scripture that will provide that kind of fuel for righteous, holy living. We don't end up, uh, you know, having that kind of fuel by, I don't know, having the right uh, political doctrines or the right ideas about uh, morality or ethics. It's about knowing who Jesus Christ is mm-hmm. and what Jesus Christ has done for us, and then believing that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not merely faith in, you know, faith itself, but rather faith in Jesus Christ. Because there are lots of people who would claim to have faith... And, you know, there are no good works to match that faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, James even deals with that, I think. Um, and, and the difference here, too, um, Adam, I think you actually preached on this when you were helping me finish First John when we were going through it. But the difference here, too, when we talk about obedience and holiness um, through trust and belief is that this This no longer really becomes... It's, it's a desire. It's a want. We want to be holy. We want this, right? And as, as John writes in 1 John 5, and his commandments are not burdensome. Mm-hmm. Like when we're really living by faith, when we really understand how God loves us, the natural reaction for us is then to follow him and, and try and live like him. And that's not like, oh, I got to love somebody today. I can't drink. I can't smoke. Typical Newfoundland. Yeah, right? exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's not like all, you know, this sucks, right? Like, I can't go with my friends tonight. I can't do this. Like, no, like, again, your life is being transformed. You're being renewed. Um, and it's not that drinking is inherently a bad thing, but your 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 desires change. You don't, you're not going to want to go out and just get drunk every weekend again with your friends or go out and smoke who knows what. You're, you're being transformed. And it's not like, okay, I have a checklist. Okay, I haven't drank and no, I haven't gotten drunk in like five days check i haven't done this no well and i mean that's even just the the sins that everybody talks about you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah like uh you also don't want to get your uh jollies by passing around gossip about your about the people down the street you don't want to talk you don't want to talk smack about people you disagree with it's it's going to be a different kind of personality that that results mm-hmm. from the kind of faith we're talking about mm-hmm. And it's that faith that justifies. Or maybe you don't get so angry at your spouse 
as what you have before or right. your children. Right? Or the anger looks different. Mm -hmm. Like you desire to, because you love your spouse and because you, uh, when you are angry, you will find ways to express that positively and limitedly so you don't hurt them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that's the faith that justifies us before God in Christ alone. And yeah. and yeah, let me just throw in here too, because I know we're running out of time, Adam, as well, but going on the first John train again, I love this book. Um, but I mean, it would be easy for us to sit here too. And I mean, we've kind of mentioned some examples and things like that, but we also, I think, I just want to comment on the fact that there are times that we obviously get all this wrong, right? There are times that we still sin. There are times that we do fail. Um, and there are times that we even try and do the right thing, but for all the wrong reasons, um, mm -hmm. you know, like we will actually go out and, you know, love our neighbor, but we'll do it with a, a hard heart, right? Or something like that. And there are times that we will fail. And our heart, it's funny because we often either want to think too good of ourselves or then or on the totally on the flip side, we think far too negatively of ourselves and think, how could God ever love me, right? But first, but John writes in, in 1 John 3, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. So notice that phrase, our heart before him, when, we, when we're before God, how do we reassure our heart? For whenever our heart condemns us, which I think we often fall into when we do mess up, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. The fact that we are justified, God's, you know, declaration of that, God's acceptance of us, God's love for us, even in the moments where we feel like we are the worst and we don't deserve that, which we don't, you know, we can find assurance in the fact that God's declaration, God's act of dying on the cross for us, his justification of us is greater than any sin, mm -hmm. any wrong that we could ever do. And it's important to remember that this justification that we have before God through Jesus Christ is there objectively. It's not based on how you feel. It's not based on whether or not you're, um, I don't know, you got up on the right side of the bed this morning or you ate bad pizza last night. Mm. Those things don't change the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of any who would place their trust in him. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, on that note, uh, thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, look forward to another Theology Podcast next week. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.com. That's it.